chapter 17 really is a great story that falls in between the parable teaching of Jesus. Now, when Jesus would teach with a parable, and folks, let's make sure we understand something. The greatest preacher of all times is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, we can talk about Paul and Peter all we want to. They pale in comparison to Jesus. But yet, God inspired them to pin his word. So the Lord Jesus would use teaching methods, just like some of you Sunday school teachers. Some of you teachers like to sit in a conversational class where you're in a circle. Some of you like to stand and lecture. For instance, that would kind of be, Joe Kramer is comfortable standing and teaching, okay? You, you uh, kids teachers probably would miss a little bit of your target if you decided you want to lecture them. So what do you do? You sit down in those chairs that are right eye level, right? Well, Jesus would use methods, and one of the methods was parables, and what he would do is he'd paint a picture, and then he would teach the lesson. So he'd paint this picture that they could see with their, their, their mental eyes, and then he would draw it in and preach the instruction, Okay? In between 15 and 18, he slips in this lesson that we're all very familiar with, and this is a caution for all of us this morning. I know that oftentimes when we look at a passage of Scripture, that you might sit here and think, boy, we've heard this one a hundred times. There's nothing new I can learn about this passage. Yes, there is. And God can teach us a fresh lesson from an old truth. So this morning, I want us to consider the question, why is Thanksgiving so hard? Why is it so hard? And I'll begin in chapter 17, verse 11. If you're with me, say amen. Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were healed. They were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Where there are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Where there are not any found who return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. God, I pray over the next few minutes that we have, that your Holy Spirit would speak once again. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help me not ramble. I pray that you would uh, prohibit me from saying something that would distract the direction you want to go in this service. But Lord, we do want a heart of thanksgiving. So help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible says on his way to Jerusalem, 
he passes through Samaria, a place that was often avoided by the Jew. Now, let me help you understand maybe a little bit of the why. Samaria was the city at one time. It's the capital of what was called the northern kingdom of Israel. After Israel's fall, Samaria as a region was in the central area that was what would be called the northern kingdom. And during the time of Jesus, it was located between Galilee, where he did much of his ministry, to the north, and to Judea, which would be to the south. There are still Samaritans alive today. Terry Essex shared uh, a picture with me uh, that when he was in the Holy Land that he literally met some Samaritans and they had a distinct physical appearance. There was something interesting about them. The Samaritans were a mix of already spiritually corrupt Israelites who married pagan foreigners. They created a religion for themselves that the Jewish folks said was heresy. They even established themselves a mount to worship on, claiming it was where Moses had originally intended for the Israelites to worship. They had their own version of the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. They saw themselves as the true descendants of Israel. They were the true preservers of of true religion, and they considered the Jerusalem temple and its priesthood illegitimate. That gives you a little bit of a better snapshot of why there was angst between the Jews and the Samaritans. To the Jew, a Samaritan was more revolting than a Gentile pagan. They were half-breeds. They had defiled the true religion. So on his way, Jesus encounters a group on the edge of town. Now here's what I love about the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't back away from trouble. He never sees something that he's not interested in fixing. The Lord Jesus isn't intimidated by the crowd, but his mission is a mission of mercy. And brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to remind you that God loves you more than anybody. He loves you more than your spouse does, your parents do. He is a God of love, and there's nothing you can do to run away from the love of God. He will hunt you down. You say, Brother Greg, I don't love God. That does not change the character of God. He still loves you. You say, okay, well, I'll just have God love me, and I'll do my own thing. That's not real love of God. Real love of God is recognizing who he is, why he created you, what the word of God says, and how we're supposed to live. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying that a born-again Christian, somebody who claims to be a Christian, should act like it. Do you think it's too much to ask a Christian uh, to, uh, to talk like a Christian? Do you think it's too much to ask, listen, do you think it's too much to ask a Christian to worship the Lord who they claim they love? Do you think it's too much to live for Jesus in a culture that is pushing 99% as hard as it can against you, regardless of your faith or what you believe or where you go to church? On his way, Jesus meets two men. Verse 12, and as he entered the village, there met him ten men 
who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, we recognize from the book of Leviticus that there were some stipulations placed on those that were considered unclean from the priest. And one of those things was being isolated from everybody else. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of a, a backdrop of what we already know in this story, okay? Uh, you may want to follow along with me. Here's what we know. There were 10 men who had the same problem. They were lepers. And brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to remind you and I want to remind those that are watching and worshiping with us that all of us have the same disease and it's called sin. We're all in the same boat. We're all on the edge of town and we're all wondering what we need to do to get fixed. What do we need to do to have this hole in my heart plugged? What do I need to do to have hope and contentment and joy and peace and love, all this stuff we're going to be praising the Lord for uh, during the season of Advent, what do I need to do? There were 10 men with the same problem. They were lepers. And here's what we know about them that we don't know about everybody in this room today. They recognized their problem. They knew what they had. I'm telling you, the hardest thing to get a man to, uh, to recognize is his need. Boy, we as men, we, we think, uh, I mean, we're self-made. We worked hard to get here. Nobody's going to take that away from me. Folks, let me tell you, there is nothing you can do good enough to get you to heaven. That's why Jesus came. They recognized their need. What else did they understand? That Jesus was passing by. He, he was coming through their town. He was coming to where they lived. And they weren't going to miss it. Now, the Bible doesn't say this isn't a story of Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus obviously had heard a lot about Jesus and what he had done and he knew Jesus was passing that way and he was going to run and get him a good seat in the sycamore tree, right? But the Bible says they were placed there because of their condition. They recognized what they had. They recognized their sentence. And I'm telling you, the good news is that Jesus is coming. He's passing by. And as they stood afar off, they recognized their only hope. The Bible says they cry out. They physically needed a miracle. Perhaps they had heard of the great teacher. Perhaps they had even been in his presence but things were different now. They recognized their need. And as humbling as it may seem, folks, I want you to put yourself in a position this morning to meet Jesus. To meet Jesus. I really believe when we come together to worship, if you want a word from God, this ought to be your prayer. God, prepare my heart to receive your word. If you have a word for me, let me hear it today. And I'm telling you, we get so consumed with other people Leprosy was tough because it not only affected a person physically, it affected them relationally. And I'm telling you, when you're isolated from people, it will affect you psychologically. I'm telling you, COVID has done a lot more damage than people recognize. And, and I think that's why you see folks just wanting to get together for events and, and, and just, who cares? 
We need to be together. But here's what you find in the heart of these lepers. They were desperate. They were desperate. They cried out. You know the picture here of crying out means to hoist up. Listen, they were hoisting up their voices. They were raising the sail of their voices. And there's even a little suspense that goes with this uh, translation here. They were crying out, wondering. They were crying out, wondering if Jesus would have mercy. And I'm telling you, there's never been a person that, listen, any person who desires to be saved will be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you recognize who you are and what you need, God wants to save your life, amen? He wants to save your life. Write this down, if you will. You're never gonna understand the hope of Jesus or the hope that he can give until your desperation is greater than the world's expectations. What do you mean, Brother Greg? The world will promise and under-deliver. The world promises but under-delivers. What do you mean? Well, the way I view it, most of the commercials I've watched during ball games this week is that if you love alcohol, your life's gonna be happy, everything's gonna be wonderful. They never take you to the bedside of a, a drunken driver accident. They never show a, a family in disarray because bills can't be paid because dad is addicted to alcohol. What is it? That's the world promising but under-delivering. And the good news is, you and I can testify this morning that God has always kept his end of his deal. Anybody want to say amen? That's the goodness of God. Individually, they were crying out, and corporately, as a group of 10, they were crying out. See, as a leper, you had to identify yourself. Unclean. Unclean. People would not get close to you. They didn't want what you had. You know, sadly, sometimes when we're miserable Christians, the lost world doesn't want what you have. Because they're thinking, if, if, if this is really what you're saying I don't have, man, I don't want it. Should we not, as believers in Jesus Christ, be the most joyful people in the world? Amen? Should we not, as believers in Jesus Christ, be the most grateful people in the world? Should we not be thankful? Should we not be... Uh, easy to get along with? Now, don't raise your hand. Were all of your relatives easy to get along with over the holidays? Did you have a moment, maybe? You know, there are going to be times when we have moments. But aren't you glad that God doesn't check out on us and say, what was I thinking? But he gently nudges us through the power of the Holy Spirit and says, get right. And you'll recognize my way is always better than your way. Now, they had to identify themselves to the priest in several ways. In Leviticus chapter 13, the Bible says, Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. So there was no doubt what's, what kind of situation you were in. They were in need of a miracle. Uh, the, the Bible in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 2 says, When a man has on his skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, he shall then be brought to, to Aaron the priest or one of his sons, and they shall examine him. And the priest would then declare 
unclean or clean. And it was that sentence that changed everything. And I'm telling you, if I have a disease that there's only one who can heal it, and he's coming into town, and I'm in a position to ask him for help, I'm crying out with the lepers. Oh, God. Oh, God, would you save me? Would you have mercy on me? If you're here today and you're a Christian, you know what you're saying is there was a time when you did that. But you recognized what you had. We were sin sick. And Jesus died to pay the price. Now, in this passage, it might seem like they're very simple instructions. But I want to remind you that obedience is still necessary. Chapter 17, verse 13, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. He was simply giving them instructions to take the customary steps to be pronounced clean. But the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, listen to some of the role of the priest, the priest that Jesus is sending them to. He shall consider, and if indeed the leprosy has covered all the body, he shall pronounce him clean who has the sore if it's all turned white. But if it's raw, he's unclean. And the priest shall examine them. And if indeed the sore is turned white, the priest shall pronounce him clean. Clean. But on the way, something happens. And listen, folks. I don't believe... The one leper is the only one who knew something happened. But he is the only one who turns around. He is the only one who's moved enough to stop and to consider what's happened. Why is Thanksgiving so hard for so many people? Let me give you a few thoughts. First of all, self. If you're a selfish person, if you live in a selfish world, it will be hard for you to give the Lord thanksgiving. And listen, that will trickle down in your life. If you live in a selfish world, it will be hard for you to give anybody else any gratitude. What we often want to do is tear people down. Why? Just to make us feel better about ourselves. Folks, when you tear people down as a Christian, all you're doing is revealing your own spiritual immaturity. And what God wants us to do, listen, is live a life that's full of gratitude and recognize what he has done for us. And here's another thing about why it's so hard uh, to be thankful for a lot of people. Jesus is 180 degrees opposed to selfishness. He went to Calvary so that you and I could understand what a kind attitude's all about. What, what we can recognize is serving others. Listen, you're never more like Jesus than when you love and serve other people. I believe Thanksgiving's hard for some because 
you just simply lose track of what grace is. Have you ever seen the commercials or used the, the, the term, thank you, Captain Obvious? What does that mean, Captain Obvious? It means, if I say thank you, Captain Obvious, I'm being sarcastic back at you. What I'm saying is, thank you for letting me know something we already are aware of. Right? Is that true? So folks, when we have some weird thing going on with the mics and stuff like that, we're all aware. We're all aware. We also recognize for those watching that one of the biggest complaints has been volume. We're, we're trying to work through all of that, okay? So thanks for your grace and, and patience. It, it, it's getting better. It might even be a little better today. We're experimenting in different ways. So we thank God for that. But when I think of losing track of what grace is, I become stuck in my own life. I look to critique rather than encourage. Anybody want to say amen? I, I, don't, I don't want to be that way. I don't want you all leaving your church today and saying, our, our preacher's a 60-year-old crank. I don't want that. I want my life to be seasoned with grace. Why? Except by the grace of God, where would I be today? Where would you be today? Uh, so don't lose track of what Jesus has accomplished in your life. Well, there was one who certainly did not lose track. Look, it's a story. And one of them, verse 15, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice glorifying God. I can't help but think that this old boy is hollering at his friend saying, hey, let's go back and thank the one who's just healed us. The Bible says he comes back with a loud voice. He was not ashamed to voice his gratitude. Wasn't ashamed of it. He didn't care what people thought. And isn't it interesting that Scripture says, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, verse 16, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus uses one who is despised to make a point. The King of kings and the Lord of lords knew what it was like to be despised. But in Christ, it was all good. And I'm telling you this morning that a Christian should have the heart of thanksgiving. Now, if we agree on that point this morning, say amen. Uh, were the others healed? The Bible says they were. But they went... And one came back. Ten were healed physically, but only one testified to the touch of God on his life. Now listen to me, church. A lot of times, we don't do it often on a Sunday morning, but in a smaller group setting, I'll ask the church, does anybody have a word of testimony? And most of the time, folks will sit there for a second. When we, talk, when we ask somebody if there's a word of testimony, shouldn't somebody just jump up and say, praise God for saving my soul? Praise God for saving me, for forgiving me. We always ought to be ready. That's what we learned in Peter. We should always be ready to, to give an account of why we believe, to share a good word for the Lord Jesus Christ. And here was a guy who was on the physical door of, 
of death and his life would never get any better, recognizes Jesus is passing by. Jesus touches his life, gives him simple instructions. And on his way to the priest, he recognizes who the healer is. It's not the priest who's saying clean or unclean. It's the one who just rescued him. And he turns around and he heads to Jesus. The Bible doesn't say it, but in the statement of Jesus, were there not ten cleansed? I, I, just, I just read some disappointment in that statement, that question. Were there not ten? Were there not ten cleansed? I mean, how many times in our life have we left Jesus standing with his grace never to return and say, thank you, God, for everything you've done. Thank you, Lord. Ten were healed physically, but only one testified to the touch of God. He wasn't ashamed to voice it. He didn't care what people thought. He recognized that God chose the despised for his glory. Why is Thanksgiving so hard for some people? It's because we're running so fast we can't even see that God has healed us and recognize that he's changed us. You know, it still takes faith to be saved. Amen? For by grace are you saved through faith. And you might be here today and you say, Brother Greg, I just don't have the faith. The Bible says it's a gift of God. Ask God for faith. Ask God to help you believe. And I believe he'll do something in your life that you can't do yourself. I mean, they experienced external blessing. One had a spiritual blessing, and his life was forever changed. But why is Thanksgiving so hard? Maybe it's because we haven't come to a place of desperation. We haven't come to a place where our desperation has led us to worship and to praise him and express gratitude to him that is life-changing. I'm telling you, folks, God is still in the miracle working business. And if you're here today, recognize something. You can't, can't outgive God. Now, I want to share a testimony with you about what we've experienced as a church recently. It's really hard to explain, put into words. A few weeks ago, we received a notice from a company that one of our members who have recently passed away had left the church something. Well, that's always kind of neat to hear, but don't hear it very often. I had to fill out a few things on behalf of the church, and they said, you'll be receiving something, and boy, we did. Check for $10,500. Holy cow. Well, we've been praying about something as a church. One of those things is that our youth are taking a trip in between Christmas and New Year that went from a small car load to over 40. Keisha came to me and said, Brother Greg, I don't know what to do. I said, you figured it out. You caused it. But what we did that day was we prayed, didn't we, Keisha? God, would you help, help us figure out what to do here? 
Check came. We're going to designate 5,000 of that to the youth ministry to meet a need somehow or whatever in the days ahead. So I begin to think, what else is God doing? Our church fan is a 2001, 20 years old, still in good shape at 20 years old. I thought, let's get, let's get aggressive on a church fan. We'll put 5,500 on that. About 10 days ago, a fellow wanted to see me and said, my wife died in 2019. I'm just trying to settle everything, and we wanted to bless the church. Folks, this was just within days of each other. I said, okay. He said, I'll be bringing you a check. And he goes, this is pretty substantial. And I said, wow. And the other day, a fellow that grew up in Camden, whose family used to go here years ago, wrote a check for $16,500. Now, the $12,000 you see designated today, if, if anybody follows the offering, that should have caught your eye. What, what's that? Well, that's that 10-5 plus a few little things. Uh, next week, you'll see 16-5. Say, Brother Greg, what are you thinking about that? I'm thinking about putting that right on the van, and we're going to get close to paying for one cash is what I'm thinking. Who... Who does that? Now, here's the thing. Listen carefully. Did not you as a church approve us to write a $20,000 check a few weeks ago without any, without any thought of anything coming back? God's, God chose to just say, let me show you what I can do with some faithfulness when you recognize what you have is not yours. And God, folks, I'm telling you, we have had some praise the Lord moments in the office the last few weeks because only God can do the things he's doing in this church. Some people have said, why didn't, why didn't we buy the blue house? I'm not paying 190000 for it. That's why we didn't buy it. Okay? That's, the only, that's why. So that'll be a good tool for folks and, and praise the Lord. But, but God will, is moving us in a little different, different direction here. We're grateful we're grateful for our neighbors. But I'm telling you, God is in the business of providing. And instead of acting like I know everything, because you're already aware of that, I don't. We're going to seek God to give, give us wisdom about things. And who would know, who would know that, that God would know the needs in Camden, Ohio, before we would even know them? That's the grace of God. But you have to recognize that healing according to this text, didn't come from the priest or them. Healing came from God. Resources don't come from us thinking we're something or deserving. It's only by the grace of God. You say, well, Brother Greg, what about churches that don't have it? Listen, just a few weeks ago, we, we tried to help one that's struggling. We don't, we don't pick church plants that have it all together and say, we'd like to partner with you. What, church, two of the three of the church plants we support struggle weekly, but it's only by the grace of God. So listen, you and I, as, as Christians and as part of the first Camden family, we have no room in our hearts but for gratitude and thankfulness. And I'm telling you, when you have a heart of thanksgiving, 
people can see Jesus in you, okay? If you've offended somebody or if you've been offended, don't wait till Christmas to get right. Give somebody a call. Give somebody a call and say, hey, can we start over? I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I said that. I don't want to hurt people. And I believe God will honor that. Amen? I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye.